categorically the worst outreach message that I've ever seen. I don't know if you saw this email come in to our shared inbox the other day. Have we started? So, yeah. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been saving this one. It's from Adam, if that is your real name, Adam. And he has sent an email to 106 people, all in the two field. So there's faux pas number one. Instant, before he's even farted, he's managed to break GDPR ruling. And then the email says, writing services for fitness, nutrition, and online coaching. I am 90% sure that he's used ChatGPT to write this email. I hope this email finds you well. My name is Adam and I specialize in writing content for fitness, nutrition, and online fitness coaching. I'm emailing to help you create engaging and informative content for your audience. Basically, his price is pay per script, £5 per script, or a monthly subscription service for £25 a month. And you receive 25 scripts per month produced by me, aka produced by ChatGPT. <laughs> if you're interested in my services, blah, blah, blah. So he sent this to 103, 106 people just as a, a splurge on the internet. And he's included some of the most generic scripts that I've ever seen. I was thinking of even like just trying to do some as a, as a short, as a tongue in cheek. <laughs> Are you struggling to stay motivated and accomplish your goals? It can be tough, but don't worry. I've got some tips to help you out. First, it's important to set small achievable goals for yourself. This will give you a sense of accomplishment and help you to stay motivated. All right, thanks, Terminator. Like, yeah, that is ChatGPT, isn't it? Because like, it's because it's correct, isn't it? It's not. It's like solid advice. As it's a solid advice, if you looked it up on Wikipedia, like completely devoid of personality and style. Or, yeah, any input whatsoever. The thing I notice in a lot of these emails is there's like, "Hey, Johnny and Yusuf," and then like a sentence, and then the rest of it is in a different font or a different size. And you're like, man, c come on, man. Like <laughs> if you want, like do, just write a personalized email. I don't get this like mass outreach thing. I, like maybe they're smashing it, but everyone knows it's a broad outreach message. If you're going to send a mass outreach, at least command shift V paste without formatting. But yeah. you're right. So I, I've actually got a counter strike now, which is an Alfred snippet that just says, Hey, thank you for the message. We received 10 to 20 of these per day. I just want to give you a heads up that the Hustlers University outreach method is not going to work. And it's the reason that you won't be seeing much conversion. Most small businesses do not want copywriting services by a freelancer. Mm. And I would suggest learning a skill that is actually marketable and providing some kind of portfolio. Hope you don't take this the wrong way. Thanks, Yusuf. Sometimes you get people being like, oh my God, like, I'm so glad you said this because I've been sending hundreds of messages and I've just been getting nothing. It's like, yeah. Well, yeah, because you don't see the other end of it, which is how many messages people like us receive with email the same copy Instagram, paste template yeah same thing it's all the same stuff as well isn't it it's all like video editing in the style of alex hormozy that's like one offer the next one is like hey i've been on your website and notice you don't seem to be making many sales of your insert product yeah i can write 10 bits of copy 10 bits of powerful engaging copy that'll help and i just always think like this email is surely your best bit of powerful and engaging copy and it's and not very powerful like, and it's not very yeah. engaging. Yeah. <laughs> it's like difficult to read. Like the formatting's off. It's it poorly worded. And it's also just a, like a, a complete sales pitch to someone who's never heard of you before. So like if that's the strategy. Well, you're on the back not... foot because yeah, it's cold. The email, the outreach email is poor quality and it's for a service that most people don't really value very highly. And then on top of that, you're not even writing it yourself. You're using ChatGPT to entirely write the most generic bit of shit mm -hmm. script that no one's going to use. Like... How do you expect? And then like, it's tempting to reply all, 
but then I don't know what that's probably opening a can of worms. I think these, I think on the annoyance meter, I think this is higher, higher rated for you than me. I think I'm like, I almost just think it's pathetic and laughable. Like it is annoying how, how often we get them, but that's like a, I don't even know who's to blame for that. It probably is Andrew Tate, isn't it? You nailed it a few episodes ago when you said like, of course he's teaching something which has the lowest barrier to entry because it requires totally unskilled stuff and anyone can write or even use AI to, to write something. But the real magic is not, is not whether or not you use AI. I've got video about this, which will be out now actually, but it's the person operating it. It's the creative sign off. And that's the stuff that you can't teach. And then on top of that, like if you've a small business, you probably are doing email marketing. It's not something that you want to outsource readily. We've outsourced a lot of processes in the business, but you know, you're still at the helm of the ship writing marketing emails because it's very hard to outsource that bit. If Russell you... Brunson, sorry. Well, I, well sorry. what's a good old... It's just linked to that. Russell Brunson did a podcast years ago, which is like, you wouldn't outsource. I think he put it because he's very PG with his language. You wouldn't outsource your lovemaking. Like you wouldn't out, you don't outsource sex in a relationship, do you? Like it's the, it's such an integral bit that like has to be you. Like it has, you have to play that role. And if you don't, it's a bit weird. It'd be a bit strange, but like, if you got someone to like give somebody a lift or do the housework or, you know, you can outsource like lots of other things that are technically your responsibility, but you get somebody else who's better, but you can't outsource that bit. And I think like the marketing and the sales, the core of your business, selling your product should be the last thing you outsource, not yeah. the first thing you outsource. You wouldn't outsource your lovemaking. Such a Mormon. Such a Mormon. So I've been thinking about this, you know, just to wrap it up. There's a few people who I can think of at the minute who are absolutely killing it in the like make money online space. And the commonality is they all worked for a bigger company beforehand. So they all worked in a company in the space beforehand, learned a skill in that company, and then went and did their own version of it or went and did like a kind of a, a segmented version of what they were doing. All these people who are like trying to set up an agency, like follow Iman Gadzi and like, oh, I'm going to run my own Facebook ads agency or like follow copywriters and want to go do that coming from a place of having never done it before anywhere else for at any kind of size or scale, go and just like find loads of companies you like online that, that work in those industries and just say, Hey, like, do you have any jobs? Like, do you have anything I can do? I'll work for minimum wage. I'll work for free. I just want to help and learn. Then you'll actually learn how to write engaging emails. You'll it's actually learn how to like, like offering a service that's valuable and solves an actual problem is the way to go about it. And yeah, you, I'm seeing people try and fake that now by saying like, Hey, I've done thumbnails and videos for Neil deGrasse Tyson and Alex Hormozy, and it's only $20. You're like, no, you haven't like, but you know that there's no way to verify that. So cause I'm not going to go and message Alex Hormozy and say, Oh, just to check me. Did this guy do your, like the, really, if you're going to go down the cold DM route, which is not something we recommend as a strategy for everyone, like it's warm DMs only if you have zero traffic and you have to do it, but cold outreach is just thankless. If you're going to do it, the things which will bump up your response rate will be personalized voice messages, something that actually shows that you haven't just stumbled across that person and tried to say some generic, oh, hey, cool content, bro, love the insert title. And then secondly, have something that person probably wants and will save them some time. And that there's no shortcuts for that. You know, If someone outreached us and said, hey, I'm a PHP developer. I'm going to make you a web app to help you integrate this and this. I notice you're using this bit of software. It'll help you to save this monthly cost because I recognize that using Typeform and actually if you integrate it here, you can generate some better results on your calculator. I'd be like, oh, 
yes, please. What's your price? Take my money. Or like, hey, I loved your video on this. I noticed it's long form. And actually, I think it would suit quite well for a short form platform. Here's a couple of quick edits I've made. Do you like them? If you do, feel free to use them and I can do some more. Like, brilliant. Why people talk about like cold outreach as a strategy done like that has to be for like huge deal sizes or big deal sizes because you can spend half a day researching a brand, putting that strategy together, putting the message together, recording the audio, sending the audio across. And if you get their attention, they say, yes, it might be 10 grand, might be 20 grand. Like you solve the right problem for it. But whereas if you try to do that for a hundred people a day on Twitter, you're going to get a hundred annoyed responses or zero responses. Actually, Alex, who used to work with us, got basically, well, he got full-time employment for years by sending us a message. <laughs> yeah, that's a high ROI. Like he got a, that was, a, that was like arguably a cold message, right? Like we didn't know who he was. He sent us a message saying, I really like the podcast. I really like what you guys do. Can I like, can I work with you for free for a bit? And then he helped us solve like various problems and demonstrate his value. And then was a full-time employee for a couple of years. So no one go. wants to do the boring, hard stuff. It's the same in training. It's the same, you know, we talked about, we had this clip from Gary V saying that a lot of online fitness coaches actually make this mistake of like, people know there's no shortcuts for this. And then you're looking for shortcuts with the business. Like what? <laughs> it's not Larry David. I don't know why that, that voice came out. But uh, yeah, it's, there's a great talk. I think I've mentioned it before it, from several years ago. I'll link it in the show notes called Real Company Shit. And it's just this guy talking about search engine optimization strategies in mid 2000s, you know, back in that kind of golden age of like Nyan Cat and the Numa Numa guy and that, that kind of, that Numa, kind of era, <laughs> Star Wars kid where the internet was a different place. And he was talking mm. about how rather than trying to do all the hacks and trying to get the do follow links and putting special tags in your header of your website, just do real company shit, which is the stuff that no one else wants to do, just write good quality, long form blogs. The principle is not so much the tactic, it's do the thing which is just manual and everyone else is afraid of doing because it's hard. Well, there are people who are still succeeding in like the health, fitness, personal development space by doing that. Look at like Greg Knuckles strategy or look at James Clear. Like all they do is just write blogs on the internet, basically. That's not to diminish their efforts. I'm sure they do other things, but like at the core of it, they just write really good articles on a website. James yeah. Clear is a multi best, best-selling author. Greg Knuckles has got a huge brand in the fitness industry. Just because like Greg would sit down and write like the article on belts for training. And it's like, there's more references than anybody's ever going to read. But if you think like, should I wear a belt for training? The answer is like in a sentence at the bottom beneath 5,000 words of well put together text. He's just and that's how he forced his up. way to the top of Google, isn't he? Through, through doing that. We've, we've seen our friend Chris Williamson do the same thing with podcasting. You know, mm -hmm. he came on our podcast once was like, I quite like this. I think I've got quite a good skill for speaking on a microphone. And so he just put all of his eggs into that basket and shot way past us in terms of organic growth by just doing one thing really well. Todd, David Goggins in person in, in, in Vegas church studio. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, no, we were trying to do Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all this stuff at once when really we should have just gone balls in podcast. The thing that, the thing that's really interesting about like seeing behind the scenes of Chris's development is it's like very linked to what we're talking about is, I don't know what the numbers are, but I assume modern wisdom didn't make any money for the first, I don't know, at least the first year of Chris doing it, maybe longer than that. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that by itself is too long for anybody else or like for 99.9% of people to bother. So Ali Abdal talks about this and Jack Butcher. So, so Jack Butcher is a guy who covers some kind of design concepts and search engine concepts and stuff. And, you know, you've got this like this long line running along the bottom where you're getting no return. And then suddenly after long-term consistency, something just flies. Ali Abdal talks about like, don't blow your load in. Well, he wouldn't say that because he's very PG, but <laughs> something along the lines of that. Like if you're a new YouTuber and you've just hit your first 5,000 subscribers and then Manscaped gets in touch with you and says, Hey, we'll pay you 200 pounds to promote this ball shaving device. Most people go, Oh yeah, 200 quid. Amazing. He's like, no, no, don't do it. Wait until big boy levels. And then the kind of sponsorships that you get are actually worth it. Then you can get sponsored by Skillshare and start pulling in five, six figures a month from promoting Mm. their stuff. Yeah. Well, it's the, like, as soon as you monetize, it stops being cool. Doesn't it stops being like the thing that I think there's something very, there's a, it's a flex to not have sponsors on something like on a big show. If there's no sponsors, you're like, wow. Speaking of which, this podcast is sponsored by Burt's Bees <laughs> lip balms. They are the best lip balms that we've ever used. Maybe the only ones. I can't I imagine trying to run, trying to grow a podcast and the goal being to monetize, monetize the traffic. It must be so demoralizing. It must be it's such a long road to like make passive income it's got to be something that you just enjoy doing for the love of it which is incidentally what chris was doing yeah yeah i think well you're at the like if there'll have been a point i think in chris's journey where he started speaking to some like really fucking interesting people and i think from that point onward it's just effortless isn't it you just get to have a phone call every like multiple times a week with some of the most interesting people in the world and share that conversation we've had this conversation where like we've been like what is driving chris because it's clearly not money we're not that sure whether it's fame because he's done the tv thing and actually i think it's just the love of the process well it's like it's it's all just a game isn't it like business is just a game with loads of really hard aspects to it and i think he's he's playing a business game but also like a content game and a platform game and a side quest yeah like there's so many aspects to growing the modern wisdom brand because he's got like views subscribers downloads the cpm how many sponsors he has on the podcast how many sponsors he has on the youtube channel the that's, where you, the well, that's where you're climbing up the mountain and you exchange your shotgun with the monk who runs the shop stall for two axes and then you go a bit further up and the wizard says oh would you like to upgrade the magic on your axes and mm. so he's you're like fuck i should get the shotgun so that actually leads us really nicely onto the meat of today's episode mm. which is which qualifications do you need to become an online coach? And I want to start with a quick story of how we got this so catastrophically wrong when we started out, hopefully save you many years of headache and tears. It all started in a sports hall in Leeds. We drove down there. I had just quit accountancy and we had this thing booked for for quite a long time to see Boris, is it Shaco or Shiko? Shaker, one of the, one of the two, do a presentation in Russian with a translator on his like periodization strategies. And it was on, I think it was on like, for those of you who are of a certain age, you'll, this'll be familiar from school where like the teacher will print out some lesson notes 
on a sheet of acetate and then put that acetate on a projector that like takes that and like throws it up onto a screen and then they draw on it with little special pens. And I think it was, I think it was that on like a, on a pull down like screen. Yeah. It wasn't quite square and it was in a freezing sports hall with no amplification equipment. Just Boris speaking for five minute monologue followed by translator having a go at trying to translate quite complex topics about squat programming and us frantically taking notes on Mm -hmm. the little nuggets that we could little scraps of wisdom that we could garner from that whole thing you sit there the whole time thinking like this is going to be the thing that like we're going to take this we're going to post about it on it'll probably be our facebook page at the time we're in a facebook group about like the new squat programming we're going to be doing or the new content we've just learned and that's going to be the thing that draws all of the clients in. And we did the same thing with Eric Helms. We went to, I think we went to two Eric Helms seminars, went to an Alan Aragon seminar, both times like spending, there wasn't much money in the business, but we spent like train tickets, hotels, the cost of the seminar, the cost of us both being in London for two days, just to learn this stuff about like nutrition, periodization, programming, etc. On the cheap as well. I think we stayed in this, we were like spooning in the same bed. I remember, yeah. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> because it would have been an extra 50 quid for a... Yeah. But and like in the background, the sort of elephant that followed us around and sat in the corner of the seminar each time was that <laughs> the like client base revenue, business performance slowly declining. And our like, oh, fuck, we need to do something about this was like, quick, you suffer you, do you get the thing about the... Was it seven reps or six? I can't remember. And that's what we felt like that was the thing that, that we needed to do to fix it, basically. It just, it didn't do anything for the business. And yet in hindsight, it's kind of, it's so obvious because the kind of clients we were working with weren't at the level where that was the bottleneck. And actually since then, I've yet to meet an online fitness coach who is limited in their ability because of the depth of their understanding of the Krebs cycle or of the glycolysis pathway yeah well so in all of the fitness clients we've had so i've done programming for people who've broken powerlifting world records before like i think it was deadlift powerlifting world record and competed at world level in different federations and not once did i have to draw on like any of the stuff that i learned in any of those seminars or any of those extra bits we did it's all because it like, have you ever worked with a client where you felt like, I really like it's this person's success is coming down to lack of understanding of a, the complexities of this system. I'm going to have to dust off the textbook and just go to the glycogen chapter and just double check that, yeah, it doesn't happen. But we feel like that because that's within our control. That's the thing which we gravitate to. Well, I think it, and it like intuitively makes sense, doesn't it? Like you can imagine speaking to someone outside the industry and saying, I'm going to a nutrition certification this weekend. And they'd be like, well, they're an online personal trainer. They do fitness coaching. That makes total sense. Like it would seem like that was important, but actually it's like, if you know the basics, if you've seen or got results yourself and you're like a human and you can communicate with other humans and sort of understand emotions and interpret what people are saying and you can listen, I think that's all, those are all the skills you need really. What we want to do is give you a framework for how to decide whether you need to do further qualifications as an online coach or if you're okay as you are. And there's two sides to this. So the first side is the stuff that you absolutely need to practice legally and safely. That stuff, like, of course, we're not going to argue with that being necessary. 
The other side is the further learning, the stuff that, that helps you to give the best service to your clients. Mm -hmm. And you've got to make a distinction between these two things because they are totally different. And actually, neither of them will help you to get more clients. So that's mm -hmm. the other thing to, to bear in mind that I hope from that Boris example, you can see how ridiculous our line of thinking was that our client load was steadily declining and we were out in the cold gym in Leeds listening to like someone translating in Russian thinking that's going to be the thing which takes our business to the next level. Yeah, I think it's, it feels nice to, it feels nice to do that. But ultimately, I think my view is if we had spent that money, that time, and I think more broadly, if every PT or online coach who is spending money on like a nutrition certification, a training certification, an additional more letters after their name to do with the details of strength, fitness, nutrition, conditioning, whatever. If you took that money and that time and moved it into learning about marketing, automation, software, business systems, sales, you would quickly get to the point where actually the business was making stable revenue. And at that point, if you want to then go and do a certification, because you find it interesting, because if, if we're honest about it, that's really why you want to do it is like, you feel good at it. You want to get even better at it. You find it interesting and it kind of scratches your own itch about your own diet and your own training. Then go ahead, like at 50 clients, go ahead. But prior to that, it's just a misallocation of time and money. When you've got to that point, you'll have had 50 clients. And so you'll have had the experience of working with 50 clients. And our mantra is that your clients are your greatest teacher. You're going to learn mm -hmm. far more from them and actually working with them at the call face than any amount of sitting in the cave and trying to preempt every possible problem that they might have. And it's, it's a really common thing that we see where someone who has no clients is sat creating a folder of all the possible like our leg specialization program. And then with the, this one for if someone's got a knee injury and our squat specialization and arms and back day for this and bolt on for cardio and hotel gym workout. And you're like, okay, cool. Great that you're doing that. But have you got any clients? Is that what they need? <laughs> so it's better to create this stuff responsively rather than proactively. Absolutely. So, the we mentioned the two sides there's what you need legally safely to practice and there's the your, your own learning the stuff that you do need as the basis and don't take this as gospel you need to check for the relevant laws in your country and so on but for us it's liability insurance if you don't know what you need with that speak to a broker talk through the specifics of what you're offering and they'll be able to guide you to the right place they're really helpful brokers because they want to get you the best price and they're commission-based, so they will go out of their way to suit you best service. We use the Insurance Octopus. They're a UK-based company. We're not affiliated with them or anything, but have a look. If you do offline training, you probably have this liability insurance already. So speak to the underwriter or the broker and see if they can add on an online aspect to it. The other side is if you are working in person, you'll know already that you need a level three qualification. If you're considering doing online plus hybrid stuff, so working with people kind of online, but with some offline contact, then you will need the level three stuff as well. Remember, you don't write meal plans unless you are a dietitian. That's not something that you are allowed to do. And so you can give an example meal plan, but just avoid yourself the headache. We also just don't believe in meal plans as a thing because it, it's restrictive and doesn't teach a man to fish. And then the final thing is a PARQ, which is the physical activity readiness questionnaire you can get one of these as a template. Remember, as long as you're not giving medical advice and as long as someone's got sign off that they are 
ready for physical activity. That's pretty much all you need from our perspective, but double check. Don't use this as like... <laughs> yeah, the guys in this podcast told me so, and now I'm in trouble. Yeah, always check first. Another sort of more practical thing that can give you out of you and the client a little bit of peace of mind. If someone like, isn't sure about the technique or something like that, or, you know, they're, they're training in a gym and you're worried that like, are they going to hurt themselves? Is this risky? You can always say to them, like when you give them their training plan, go and ask someone at the desk of the gym, like, Hey, can you take me through these exercises? Cause it, most gyms, if someone's new, will make someone go through an induction, show them machines, show them how they work, make sure they're not going to hurt themselves. Say like, Hey, I need to do a, a squat. And if you're, if it's one of UCS programs, a kettlebell complex, can someone just show me these exercises, please? And the, the people will be more than help, happy to show your clients that take them through those things. So the kind of different, you know, more practical ways of doing it, but certainly the insurance is like the baseline. You absolutely need to have that in place. This is the great conspiracy where actually I'm just giving all my clients kettlebell complexes and I'm just projecting. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you ring Yusuf on a weekend, he doesn't answer. And the reason he doesn't answer is he's at some sort of like kettlebell certification in the eye of man. <laughs> I'm too busy doing Turkish get-ups and kettlebell swings. And like swinging those clubs around the, the mace, <laughs> do your shoulder health. Yeah. It's all an illusion guys. So Part two, the other qualifications, so the stuff that's over and above, this is just for your personal sense of satisfaction. Am I giving my clients the best experience? So I don't think any of them are going to ever fill that hole. The best way to fill the hole and the biggest cure for imposter syndrome is to just get out and disprove it. Mm. Your clients are your greatest teacher. As long as you're safe to practice, you are good enough to get them a result. And if you follow our niching guidelines, which is to pick someone who is you, but five years ago, then you understand the niche and you understand the problems that they are going through and you can get them to the solution faster than if they were going on their own. So that, that's the biggest solution to the imposter syndrome, which I think drives this question ultimately. Then you want to look at your business as a whole and say, right, where am I most weak? Is it getting leads? Is it closing sales? Is it coaching clients or is it software tech productivity? Big hint, it's probably your lead flow. Mm. That's like 90% of the people that we speak to. So then you've just got to look at, okay, what further education will help me to improve my lead flow? And then just solve the closest problem at the boat, the closest allocator at the boat. Yeah. And if you solve your lead, lead flow, you acquire more clients. As you acquire more clients, you are getting more reps in of helping people, solving problems. And over time, you spot patterns. You're like, okay, people who enroll with this sort of situation, this level of experience, typically do best in this sort of programming style, typically making these sorts of nutritional adjustments work best. Like whenever we've worked with coaches who've handled our diet and our training, like the value they add, aside from the like the accountability and the objectivity and all that sort of stuff is, they'll look at your weigh-ins and go, oh, you know what? Like usually when this happens, there's a drop coming. Don't change anything. And then they haven't read that in a textbook. They haven't got that from doing an extra nutrition certification in glycogen they just get that experience because they've worked with 500 clients before and they've spotted that pattern and what makes them a really good coach is the fact that they've worked with lots of people and i think that's the fixing the biggest problem which is often your leads and therefore your sales gives you the like the rounded business that you need by just you get practice you get experience 100 percent. so once that's in place you've got the lead flow you're coaching those clients how do you draw the insights and the learning and the lessons that you're getting from that and ratchet it into your system so that you're, you're building a, a system for your coaching? And that's 
both to improve the, your ability to answer those questions in future, to give the gold standard answers, and if you were to start training people under you, let's say you start getting more demand than you can actually accommodate, and you want to start training coaches under you to deliver your process, you need to have a process that's documented and, and you can teach to people. And the way to do that is to build a second brain. People are very weak at doing this, or maybe they have one, but they're not really, they've not kind of called it that and it's not explicit, in which case it's still a system, it's just a crap system. So I would very much recommend starting as you mean to go on. Simple option, Apple Notes, or if you want to build something that's kind of connected and creates a almost like a neural network, have a look at Obsidian. We've got a full guide on that. Take any information that you learn from seminars, reading, clients, working with people, niche research, whatever, and put it into your second brain and it will build over time. It'll take shape. It'll create this emergent structure and then you can use it as your personal encyclopedia and you will become a much better coach, a clearer thinker. you will be better at running ads because your angles will be much more targeted the stuff that you're teaching. You'll clarify your values. You'll be better at generating content. It's just going to upgrade you across the board. And the, like the most simple win from that is you can take that knowledge and turn it into a course material that your clients go through. So yes, it can feed like the marketing you put out, the emails you write, the ads you run and all that sort of stuff and other coaches you hire. But at the basic level, you take all the information you have on and everything you've learned from working with clients on their eating at a restaurant, for example, and you make the definitive guide on that, put it in a course that everybody can access. And that's helping all of your current clients that you currently work with right now and everybody that you will ever work with in the future. So it's such a valuable use of your time, but obviously to produce that module, it's no point just sitting down thinking nutrition, like what should I put in this? You need to have all of the information you've been gathering over time from everything you've learned already and everything you're learning. And it should be constantly changing and emerging from that. So David Perel says modern writing is not created. It's assembled because <laughs> you've locked in the gains from all of the previous research and reading and stuff that you've got. And then when it comes to actually creating a course, I mean, currently re-recording propane business. So we've got PB 2.0, which is incredible, by the way. I'm genuinely, I've got such a stiffy for it because it's just an amazing crystallization of the last 12 years of everything that we've learned. But it's been pretty easy because all of those things are already there. And it's just a case of looking at the canvas and saying, right, let's assemble this into this sequence. And it's all there. We've not had to like sit and look at a blank document and go, oh, right, what should we do now? That's a good point, actually. That's kind of the level even beyond what we're talking about, which is that we had a course material and a version of our knowledge that we put together and we ran hundreds and hundreds of people through it. And in doing that, you see how those things gel. You're like, ah, people have these problems or like, I would never have expected that to be an issue or these questions or actually, wow, that's worked way better than it worked when we did it for ourselves. And the whole thing gets, you are able to access this like extra layer of information by sort of combining the market with your knowledge. And so you'll find this with clients where this program that worked really well for me and worked, worked really well with like my three, three friends that I work with, when I give it to this sort of person just doesn't work at all. For example, that's something you would have never learned in a textbook, in a certification on a weekend away with Yusuf in the Isle of Man, learning kettlebell complexes. <laughs> so there we go. There's the answer to the question. What qualifications do you need to be an online coach? Remember the two sides of it. Remember what problem you're solving and check out the rest of our content for how to solve the remainder of those things. Bye.